All right, you guys, before we get into this week's episode, we wanted to make a couple of things clear. So first of all, we recorded this week and last week's episodes before we aired episode, what would have been, 18. And some things came up that we weren't expecting from people that we love and care about. And we want to make just a couple of things clear. We all make mistakes through this process. And part of our point in sharing is that we want to help other people to be able to not make the same mistakes so that they can heal more quickly than we have. We have healed. We have repaired so many family relationships. And each of us feel that we have great, amazing family and friends behind us supporting us. And we know through all of this process that we were loved and that people were there for us. But sometimes in those moments, it is hard to feel that. Sometimes we, as the ones supporting a loved one, do or say the wrong thing that hurts. And so the person who needs the support steps back a bit and needs some boundaries to um, create a space where they feel comfortable approaching that situation again. So that is what we're trying to help people understand. Sometimes boundaries get crossed. Sometimes unintentionally we offend someone. Sometimes things happen. And it's hard for us to feel that support when we need it. We are not angry or bitter or upset with how any of our family members handled the situations we went through or any of our friends. I need to make sure that's in there too. That we know you guys were there for us, that you loved us. And we are so grateful for that. But sometimes that doesn't look like what the person needs in that moment. And that is what we are trying to help others see, that we can create more effective ways and understanding in how to respond when somebody does need our support and love. That's something we are all learning and trying to do better at. So we just wanted to put that out there. We do not want to offend anybody. We want you to know that we love and appreciate our friends and family so much, but that we didn't do things perfectly. None of us did. And that's okay. We learned and we're growing and we have repaired those relationships and that is a beautiful thing. So just wanted to share that before we go into this week's episode. We hope that you guys will be able to feel that from us and that we'll be able to convey that in a way that is effective. And again, we recorded this before we talked to any families and friends about our previous recordings. Um, and we hope that you will understand these things as we continue forward. Steve's siblings very much were like, tell us what you've learned. Tell us, you know, the different things you guys have done. And basically, I'm catching our families up and our friends on what we've been through this whole seven years of our marriage because none of them were involved in that. Like, they knew us, they loved us, and they were very much involved in other parts of our life, but this, they did not know. Like, they did not know the details. They did not know how hard we had worked together to make this work. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband in Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. So Penny and I load up and we head to Idaho to see Steve's family. Which is like a six-hour drive. Yes. And... Not on my way home. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is kind of. Adds three hours probably. Not really. Two hours. So we pull up to their house and everybody's there, put Penny to bed, 
Everybody meaning my parents, my siblings. Yes. Siblings' spouses? I don't remember. Oh yeah, they were all there. Okay. I don't remember any of the kids, so I'm assuming either the kids were like watching a show or in bed or had sitters. I don't know. So they were in the meeting. Let's put this into context. So how many siblings do you have? I have a brother and three sisters and they're all... So four? Four siblings. Plus your mom and dad. There's six. Plus their spouses. I think three of them were married at the time. Wanting to have an intervention. And I don't know if all of the spouses were there or not, but I know some of them were. Mm -hmm. I can picture like, I remember walking in and, you know, there's lots of hugs and some tears and whatever. If you want to use names, we can and just bleep them. That's fine. And like, I wasn't crying at that point. I don't know if Steve Stanley had ever seen me cry before this night, actually. I wasn't crying at that point. And I was very like, all right, let's sit down and have this talk. Let's do this. Yeah. And we're all sitting in the front room of your parents' house. And... Which I can picture that as well. <laughs> it had different furniture back then. Okay. Yes. So was this in the... That uh, is an interesting point to bring up, that Matt has spent time at my parents' house. Yeah. yeah. When I'm not there. <laughs> yep. He has. So was this in stayed the... Stayed the night at my parents' house I, when I, I'm I not there. I didn't stay the night. Oh, you didn't? No. I thought you guys stayed No, there that was a different trip. He didn't okay. come on that trip. Um, so was this in the home teacher yes. living room? Or yes. was this in the... This is in that this living room the, yeah, right the, in front the of the dining room. teacher living room, yes. <laughs> you know. So we're sitting okay. in there and like they asked me to, and more your siblings were like, hey, we know you've been dealing with this. Help us to understand what Steve needs right now. It was very much a, what does he need from us? And let me just add a little more to this too, that again, and part of me coming out to my siblings and one of them like they were, this was Southeast Idaho. They had had so little, at least most of my siblings had so little exposure to. So maybe the word we're looking for is shelter. Sheltered, yes. So I'm sitting there running through like. And is there, so time out, I want to go back to the sheltered thing. Okay. Is there anything wrong with being sheltered like that or? No, it's just, just how, how it and where they were raised. And I think the difference is how you respond to like news like this. Like, are you open to understanding it? Have you been so sheltered and closed off that it's like an instant shut off where you don't want to hear about it? It's repulsive. You know, like and there's different ideas of how you can respond. Okay. And so granted, being sheltered might not be bad. Yeah, but and you can't control what your exposure has been to any scenario, but you can absolutely control what your response is to yes. this either scenario that's brand new to you or a scenario you have experience with. Either way, you get to choose how you respond to this. And I do want to say this particular sibling has gone so far above and beyond in trying to make it clear that they love me and it doesn't change how they think about me. And from the get-go, they tried to do this. So I don't want to, you know. No, and that's the thing is I... I'm hesitant, so hesitant in talking about this because I don't want to make my siblings or my parents feel bad about how they responded or didn't respond or supported or didn't support. I've kind of been dreading getting to this point in our story well, I guess, for that reason. I guess from my perspective, and if your siblings are listening at this point, is like, I want to share this story just for learning purposes. Yeah. One, so I can learn how to be a better person, potentially. And two, so other people can listen to this and say, hey, we've learned something through going through And this we experience. know listeners have learned. We have heard from so many people who have basically said that they were in the same scenario as this sibling of mine, my siblings, who had so little exposure to this and so little understanding about it. And through our podcast, 
And we've heard from a number of people who have said, you have no idea how much this has helped me understand yep. and correct the way I have correct. I don't want to say that. But just but op open your mind to exactly. how, how real this is. To give them exposure to a scenario that they had heard of but had no idea about and didn't understand, and now they're able to understand. Yep. So, yeah. Which is awesome, and that's why we're doing this. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right, so back so to the living room, Jessica. <laughs> Steve's siblings very much were like, tell us what you've learned. Tell us, you know, the different things you guys have done. And basically, I'm catching our families up and our friends on what we've been through this whole seven years of our marriage because none of them were involved in that. Like, they knew us, they loved us, and they were very much involved in other parts of our life, but this, they did not know. Like, they did not know the details. They did not know how hard we had worked together to make this work. And so... And I don't know, I don't recall if I had had any conversations with my siblings from the time we decided to get divorced, Jessica, yeah. to this date. I don't know. Like I yeah, said, I, I had come out to them before we had decided to get divorced, but I don't remember if there had been additional conversation at that point. Yeah. So I'm sitting there talking to him and I'm telling him basically all of the things I've learned through my support groups, all of the things that I have found that work to be able to connect with Steve, because that's what I'm most concerned about at this point is that they understand what he needs right now. And I remember expressing that, listen, Steve is not okay. He cannot see his self-worth and he needs to be loved and he needs it from you like you guys are the most important people right now that steve needs to feel that from that was the idea of what i was trying to convey and that is what i had learned in my classes like in all of these support groups and everything is that this wasn't about me and the best thing i could do for steve was to love him and help him feel loved and know that he is still of worth in spite of all of these things, no matter what's happened. And we'd gotten very good at that. That's why we were able to be honest with each other. And I get done and I even like had some books that I had picked up at some point, I think in Colorado, just because I knew I wanted to give them to our families. Yeah, there was a specific book. And I that had them in my car. Had been helpful to you. So I brought those in. I Do you said, remember what book that was? Um, it's one of the ones I've Helping shared. Helping LDS Men with Homosexuality was the name of the book that I read. And then there was the partner book to that for... I don't think that's the one I brought, though. No? No. I, I brought. I think I brought the one I've shared it on, like, Voices of Hope. I think that's the one I brought. I don't even remember that one. We can post it on I've social media. I've posted it on social media before, so it's on there. But I'm pretty sure that's the one I brought. So um, I needed them to help me help Steve because if they weren't going to, who was? That's honestly how I felt. I needed them to understand so that we can help Steve because to see his worth and to know how much he's loved. And it gets done. And I remember Steve's siblings just kind of like, I knew they had my back. I knew they understood what I'd been saying for the most part. I'm sure they didn't totally grasp it, but there were a couple of them that I knew got it. And I was so grateful. And I went into Steve's parents' garage and just started bawling. And I was in there by myself and Steve's mom came and found me. And literally, I think that's the first time Steve's family has ever seen me cry. And I don't think I cried in front of anybody else except Steve's mom. I was planning to stay there that night. And I told her, I, I have to go home. I need to go to Boise. And it's late at this point. 
but I was like, I just need to finish this drive. <laughs> it's funny because I was worried about my car breaking down and everything and everybody's worried about my car breaking down. Literally, I barely made it to Jed and Heather's and it started doing that thing again and it was started doing it on the way to Idaho Falls, but I was like, I just gotta go. And so I packed up Penny again and we drove home. And I just remember getting to my parents' house and just being so relieved. We didn't have any furniture, so I couldn't go to our house, but I went straight to my parents and yeah, I don't remember that night at all after that, just feeling relieved to be home <laughs> and like I could relax. It was a rough night. Sounds like it. <laughs> it was a rough drive home, but still one that I was glad I did on my own. I think it was therapeutic to cry when I wanted to cry and sing when I wanted to sing. And yeah. What do you think Penny's thoughts in the back seat were? <laughs> you know what's <laughs> funny? She was amazing that whole drive. And this again is one of those moments that I feel like, like I said, I really feel like Penny was just given to us for a reason. And I don't remember her freaking out. I don't remember her crying. I remember her singing with me and like watching her little shows and just being happy this whole drive home. And she was sick. Like I remember that, but she just was like this sweet little, I don't know. And I remember even at that age, knowing she could tell like when I wasn't okay and being like this little tender soul like she would She's just come up and hug way. you. And I knew she didn't really know what was going on. And I wasn't like crying a lot in front of her or whatever, but she knew me. I just remember like the sweetest little moments with Penny during that time of her coming up to me and just like giving me hugs. And as she got a little bit older, like a year into our divorce, I remember her telling me I needed to go work out. <laughs> She's three. <laughs> but like, I think she knew that that helped me to be happy and to feel good. And so she... You need to go run, mommy. But um, Penny's always been very perceptive of people's of, feelings. Yeah, and particularly yours and mine, I think. Yeah. And well, now always... I watch it so much with you. But um, yeah, so I went and crashed. And the next day, I don't think it was the very next day, but I remember Steve's mom coming up to Boise to help buy me furniture. And I so appreciated that. And I just, I love that woman so much. But just showing up and helping me get a couch and a Penny and I beds and all of these things that we didn't have. Those were the things I remember specifically that we went shopping for. And I also remember going shopping with my mom for stuff. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm like snotting all over. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever listen to these and realize you can't tell that we're crying as much as we are? Yeah, that's what I thought last week. <laughs> I thought... Yeah. I don't know why that um, is, but... It's funny. I also remember going shopping with my mom, and I think it'd been like a week or so into me being home, and I was moved into my new house, and I realized I needed a strainer, like, for noodles and stuff, pasta and different things, and going to Walmart with my mom, and I'm like, oh, I got to get a strainer. I need a strainer. And her getting so mad in the middle of Walmart that I didn't even have a strainer. Like, she was... I remember like that was her one moment of just, I know she got mad other times, but she was so mad at the whole situation. I didn't even have a strainer. I'm like, mom, it's a strainer. I can buy a strainer. <laughs> you know, uh, I look back on this and I wish I would have taken better care of you 
in this time frame. Like, why did we not get a bigger pod so you could take the things you needed, a bed and a couch and a whatever? And why did we, why did I not insist on driving you there? You probably wouldn't have let me anyway, but. I'm pretty sure you offered. I hope I did. I don't I remember specifics, imagine. but I just look back and I just think, how in the world were you strong enough to do all this completely on your own? And why was I not at your side for this, helping you through this difficult part for you the way you were at my side helping me through this difficult part for me? I think you were more than you realized, though, Steve. I'm sure you offered to drive me home. And like I said, I just wanted that time to be on my own. I needed that time. But, like, we didn't know the pods weren't going to fit everything. That wasn't something that <laughs> you could have changed. That's just yeah. what showed up. And I was fine. It was time for Penny to move into a bigger bed anyway. So that's what we decided. Leave the crib and get her a real bed. And you did what you could. And that's all that matters. You weren't like, you didn't just leave me. And what you really gave me during that time was letting me move back to Boise. That's what I needed. And that's what you gave me. Because you could have pulled a card on me where I'm the one leaving. And you could have taken me to court right then for leaving with our daughter. And you didn't. And you, I absolutely, whatever you needed is what I wanted to support you in. Yeah. So don't and try. And I knew and... that you wanted, that the only place you felt comfortable making your new home was Boise, where your parents are and where you were familiar with, and clearly not Oklahoma. Yeah. We'd so not... I absolutely supported you in that. Yes. So give yourself some credit here, okay? <laughs> you didn't just like leave me high and dry and stranded. That was a big deal. In fact, when we were talking about it last week, when Matt got emotional about you being by yourself, I thought, what a jerk of me to leave Oklahoma. Yeah, I can't believe. <laughs> Between last week's recording and this one, Jessica approached me and you uh -huh. said, Steve, did you feel like I abandoned you in Oklahoma? And I said, no, <laughs> heavens no. Like, but see, these you should, are things... like, you should not feel guilty about the way you went about this. You did everything so much more than anyone would expect of yeah. you in that scenario to care for me and make sure I was gonna be okay. And see, this is what it comes down to, is that we both recognize that, that we both recognize what the other one did for us during that time, and that's really what makes our relationship work. And I'm thinking back to, so Steve and I and Matt have laid out like our core values for building this business and spreading this awareness, and they are love, love. kindness, respect, understanding, acceptance, and appreciation. I'm impressed that you remembered them all so quickly. I'm going through the, the acronym in my head. <laughs> yeah. See, so, I, I could only do it by going through the acronym. <laughs> but that really is what this all comes down to, is that we appreciated what the other one had done. We respected what the other one needed and the boundaries that they needed at this time. We reached out in loving kindness, like all of those things. There was understanding. We didn't just try to see it from our point of view, but we tried to understand each other. And that made all of the difference in us being able to do this in a semi-rational manner that ideally was what was best for each other at the time. So there you go. And I know you know this, but that's what got me through. I seriously felt like I was 100% on my own with the exception of you, Jessica. Like your efforts to make it clear that you still loved me and accepted me and wanted what was best for me despite the end of our marriage and the affair and everything. Like I got that message and it saved me <laughs> knowing that you still respected and loved me and had my back and it saved me. 
I couldn't let anything happen to Steve. Because I seriously didn't feel like there was a single other person in the world that had my back then. Not even Sebastian. He and I, were. it was still so new that I could not rely on him for that. Yeah. I mean, you hardly knew him. Yeah. So after this whole conversation with Steve's family, like, Steve, did your family reach out to you right after this conversation? This I don't remember. No? I don't know. Okay. I think that time in Steve's life was still a blur for quite a while. Still is a blur, I think. That whole... It was from affair to moving back to Boise and probably like the next six months. I it's really very So the spotty whole year memories. after that. <laughs> I mean, I had those moments too. Like I remember like the next week it was Halloween and being like, Oh my gosh. Like I don't have a Halloween costume or I haven't even thought about this for Penny. And somebody loaned us, I think it was it actually was a, your sister-in-law, loaned us like some lion costume and Penny refused to wear it and wanted to wear her costume from the last year. Yeah, so she was a flapper <laughs> twice. She's two years. And that still fit her. It did. <laughs> um, okay, so this triggers something now that a memory that it was a week later that it was Halloween? I think so. It was pretty soon after. Because Sebastian and I did matching costumes. Yep. And one of my siblings was a different sibling than I talked about before, was making such a big effort to, we weren't talking about the deep stuff, but she was making a big effort to, what are you up to for Halloween? Tell me about what you and Sebastian are doing. Which apparently... She was making an effort to still be a part of your life. Yes. And... That's impressive. I didn't remember it being that soon after. It was awkward. And I remember I sent her a picture of he and I in our Halloween costumes and... Like, so regret it and just thought, why am I, like, she doesn't need to see this. This is not, like, you still no one is picture? ready. I do. You should post it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Our eyes look really scary. We have face paint on. We could blur it. I don't know why I look at this out. picture and it's just, it like, I don't know if it's just the time frame and the feelings I had around that or what, but I look at that picture and it just gives me the worst feeling. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I look at those pictures of Penny the second year she was a flapper and think, I can't believe I was functioning even to that extent, like to actually get her to a party. We're at the and pictures I have of her at a church party. I'm like, I can't believe I was just. And she's happy and bouncing around yeah. and smiling and giggling. Yeah. So props to you. <laughs> we held it together for it. It wasn't like I was rational all the time, but we did pretty good. So, yeah. So now you're living back in Boise. Yep, I moved into a house Steve and I owned in Boise. And Steve, you're still in Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Steve's in Oklahoma. I stayed that way for a while. How long? Six more months? Yeah. Seven? Something like that. You moved back at the end of... Beginning of Beginning April. of April. So like six more months. Yep. Okay. So you're still in Oklahoma. Same job, same everything. You living in the house that you and Jessica rented? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jessica moved into for a couple weeks. And Sebastian moved in pretty quickly after I left. What? I, Shortly, I didn't know Sebastian moved in. Oh, yeah. Shortly after that, his lease was up on his place. And I was freaking out about how to cover rent, your, how yeah. to cover rent on my apartment and take care of, and pay our mortgage, which now didn't have tenants we in it. We weren't paying our mortgage. Was it already at the point that we, we were, were already in a short sale? We were already in a short sale, okay. like doing that process. 
So we weren't paying our mortgage, but you were trying to support Penny and I as much as possible. So we did have like a split income, but yeah, you needed to pay rent and then we're trying to support all three of us in two separate homes. Yeah, because we had talked about you, Jessica, going, getting a job and putting yeah. money in daycare and whatever. And after we ran the numbers and looked at the pros and cons, we're like, there is no point in that. You'll earn X amount and 75% of that will go to daycare. And that, and we really did not like the idea of putting our child in someone else's hands to... Part of know, the issue at that point was, I mean, I got offered a couple of decent jobs. You did. I had like some jobs I could go do and I knew I was capable. I had a degree, whatever. But part of my deal was I really struggled with the idea of leaving Penny during this time and when we were, I was still emotional. I still felt like if ideally, if we can keep it where I'm still at home so that I can work through this in a very, you know, at my own pace without having to add any stress, then that was what we should do. And Steve supported that. And that's what we did. And that had been our plan prior to our divorce was that you were going to stay home with Penny until she was in school. And you felt very strongly that you wanted to continue that because that was what you had committed to when we had a baby. Yes. And we made it work. And I'm so glad we did. I think it was the right decision. Yes. So Sebastian moves in. Yeah. So anyway, it led to a conversation. Like the beginning of November. Hey, I need a roommate. You need a place to live. Yeah, we're only a few weeks into this relationship and it's way too soon to be talking about moving in together. But is this a conversation we want to have? And so we and you had it. Yeah. And he moved in to still keep it somewhat like since it was so new and so fresh, he moved into his own bedroom. <laughs> so, yes, we were together in a relationship, but we still at least had our own spaces and our own rooms. And so another thing shortly after this, well, we had Penny's birthday. I had Penny's birthday. That was another thing I forgot about. I don't think I got her a present or anything. I did run to Albertsons and get her a little monster cake, and she Which blew out a... the candle like 50 times. And this is very shortly after. Yeah. So this is within a month of you moving home. It was in Boise. a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So then before we had split, my brother was living in D.C., and Steve had a work-like thing he had to go to in D.C., and like so training yeah training or something so we had planned a family trip my parents were going out there steve and i and penny were going out there and my brother's already there my brother and his family so was this trip already planned before you guys yes. already planned separated. before we separated but steve still had to go for this work trip he ideally was going to see penny because penny's you know he needed to see her and at this and point we were going to be there our plan was for me to fly home and see her every three weeks yeah every third weekend so which i did for the most yeah. part for those six months anyway this was going to so be the this first was the first time we were going to see each other right since we split and he's going to see my family because i gotta i don't have a car He's got to pick up and drop off Penny. What was, what was your thoughts with that? <laughs> I, I wish y'all could see the look Matt just gave me. It was wide-eyed and grinning like what? you're about to see her family. <laughs> oh, man. It was like... Yeah, I'm like... So my, we... My palms are getting sweaty. I was like thinking We got it. a hotel room together. No. Oh, we didn't. No, no, no. I was staying Back with my brother... Up. All of us were staying in my brother's little tiny apartment with his family. So there's my parents, Penny and I, and then he has a wife and a kid, one kid. And his kid is the same age as Penny, just a little bit older. So we all go stay in this apartment. And Steve's got a hotel. You have your own place. A two-bedroom hotel. No. 
you had a one bedroom. What? Okay, so keep going. Steve, <laughs> Clearly you remember this better than I do. So Steve gets this hotel. He's there in his hotel. And like, I had seen him at some point during this time and Penny had been with him and whatever. So there was, and I don't think you'd seen my family at this point. There had been some pick up and drop off. Maybe you had. But my brother, out of righteous indignation, let's call it that, okay. lays into me. Like just, he was doing it out of love, I know, and protection for me, but it hurt. Lays into you about? He's telling me, you're never going to really divorce him. You're just letting him use you. You're not like basically not disconnecting how you feel about him. You're not putting up boundaries. Yeah, you're not putting up boundaries. How can you do this? Nah, nah, nah. And he just like goes off, which... He needed to do that, and it was fine. Like, I understand where it came from. But it's not where you were at. But it was not what I needed that time, and I laid into him right back. And it was the first time I'd really been vocal about people commenting on how I was handling this. Because people had said stuff, and I got why they don't understand. Like, I understand and that if you had not been in my situation, you would not understand why I was making the choices I was. And you know what people say about someone's ex when... Like, oh, that jerk. Oh, he's, you know, they say, oh, the first response is, I'm going to make you feel better about this by yeah. talking smack about how stupid your ex is. Right. I don't think he was quite doing that. I think he was just like, I had already filed for divorce. Our divorce was going to go through in a few weeks because we were amicable. We just were signing off on it. And he's saying, you're never going to get divorced. You're just going to let this drag out. Like, you're going to, and just like anything I was doing at that time, he so called he was, me out on it. He was calling you out, laying it out there without having any of the facts. Yeah. And he understood, like he kind of knew, but he, like I said, I didn't expect people to really understand why I was doing the things I was doing because- How could they? They couldn't. They couldn't. And they were catching up to where we were. And I knew he loved me, but I was like, I cannot stay in this tiny apartment with my whole family, my one brother wasn't there, but like with most of my family here. And I can't do this right now. Like emotionally, I can't handle this. Where were your parents at this time? They were there. <laughs> How do they handle it? I mean, they were like in the middle kind of, and they let us go. Hash it out. Yeah, hash it out, which I think was smart. I think it was because they didn't need to voice opinions. I didn't need any more opinions. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm very much like Steve said, we had processed this. We had worked out what we wanted to do. The reason we waited to tell people was because we didn't want this influencing our decision. So I called Steve up and I'm like, hey, Penny and I are coming to stay with you. And you, out of respect, got a two bedroom. Mm -hmm. You upgraded. You're like, okay, I'll go see. Which I didn't even care if I was in the same room. Like I did not care. I just needed somewhere to stay. But you did end I up getting a two bedroom. And I remember going over and... I think you came and picked us up and we went and stayed with Steve and we spent most of the time with my family and my brother of course felt horrible and we talked and it was fine. Like the rest of the trip was great, but I told him flat out, I'm like, listen, if you, this is why I told my brother, if you can't make amends with Steve, that's on you. You will not be at Penny's birthdays. You will not be at Christmases. You will not be at holidays because Steve will be there. So you got to get over this and figure it out. Because that's just my reality. This is how it's going to be. And if you can't handle that, then I'm sorry. But this is her dad. 
and I will not be that family that can't have birthdays and Christmases and holidays together. So figure it out. So yeah, I went and stayed with Steve instead, <laughs> which was nice because he needed more. He got more time with Penny and whatever, but. And that time was so good. Yeah. I so desperately needed that time with Penny and probably with you too. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting because I remember one day like Penny was napping and Steve was napping and I was sitting there reading one of these books that I had been reading to help me get through. I don't know which one it was, but some book that was like a support thing. And I remember just sitting there feeling as I'm watching these two sleeping and reading and just having like this overwhelming peace of this is going to be okay. And specifically, Penny is going to be fine through all of this. She is going to learn and grow and thrive. And like, this will not be an issue for her. And um, just that's what I remember most from that mo from that experience in that hotel room, just being so grateful that I had that piece of everything's going to be okay. And I remember you expressing that to me when I got up from my nap. Yeah. So that was an interesting trip. Did you see much of her family? <laughs> I did. You didn't see a ton of them. But you saw them. I did. I went over to your brother's apartment. Mm -hmm. Before or after this altercation? I can't I remember. Know. I think before. I think it was before. But I remember pulling up to their apartment and sitting in my car in the parking lot for I don't know how long, just thinking... How am I supposed to face these people? How am I going to get through this? How am I supposed to? You know, these were people I loved and who had been so great to me for our, our whole marriage. And yeah, I was so ashamed and so I didn't want to show my face. Yeah. So it was. I keep thinking back to when you said, you know, that first Mother's Day that we spent and Steve was there and you were called your mom and it was like, yeah. this is so weird. She said, well, how are you going to really know how you feel about it until you experience it type thing? Yeah. This was one of those huge moments of, okay, what are we going to choose to do? Like, I can remember my parents, like, I think my dad gave you a hug. As far as I remember, like, they were trying I remember seeing to be very okay with it. Carly first in the parking lot. Like, as yeah. soon as I, in fact, I think that's why I finally did get out of my car is because she was like, Walking calling like she was hauling something from her car in and yeah. out and whatever and saw me yeah and i was like okay i clearly have to get out of the car <laughs> and say hello to her but i distinctly remember this being one of those moments where it was like you have to do this like move you got yeah, you, <laughs> and you need to do this for jessica like you need to you need to function and you need to be able to be like you need to be like jessica in this moment <laughs> you need to be strong <laughs> and courageous and you need to like get through this and that sounds stupid to say because that was an easy thing compared to all the things you had to do just no it's but... not it was no, not was... an easy thing that you did yeah this was something extremely hard for you obviously and yeah you can't negate that you can't say it wasn't real carly was super sweet as soon as she saw me get out of the car i don't remember what she said or did but whatever it was it very much sent as me... she is yes it very much set me at peace about okay this is not Okay, this woman is not going to club <laughs> me with, you know, with the groceries she's carrying yes. upstairs. I can do this. Yeah. Not sure I felt the same when I got to the apartment and saw your brother. 
I moved forward to give him a hug or whatever. I wasn't sure what I should be doing. I don't. I wasn't sure what the etiquette was for <laughs> seeing your soon-to-be ex-brother-in-law shortly after you cheated on his sister and divorced her. And yeah, I don't know what the etiquette is there. So awkwardly, I moved in to give him a hug, and as I did, I he was just like clenched, clenched, and just. And I don't know that I, he realized that he felt that way until that moment. Like I, I think that's thought, where this stemmed from. He is gonna freaking punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't no he did not but and i don't know what happened after that we got through it but so yeah. no hug no i hugged him and <laughs> felt like he was yeah gonna freaking explode and then that night or the next night or sometime in that time frame your parents said we want to have a sit down with the two of you and i think it was a yeah we need to understand yeah so I went back. I think your brother and sister-in-law left and they gave us the apartment or something or they were in their rooms or I don't know what, but it was just me and you and your parents in their apartment and your parents just wanted to know. I don't they wanted remember to get this. You don't remember this? I don't remember this at all. Oh gosh. They just wanted to get caught up on the scenario and express their feelings and ask questions and they very much wanted to know what is the plan going forward. Yeah. And how is it going to affect their daughter and their granddaughter? And I know, and I knew they loved me and were concerned about yeah. me too. And uh, it broke my heart in this whole process, thinking that I would lose Craig and Kathy as my in-laws. And I thought I would. <laughs> so to sit down and talk to them, I immediately started crying. <laughs> and I don't remember all that we talked about. I know it was felt like a very long time <laughs> you know i cried beginning to end but i specifically remember you and kathy <laughs> kathy was mad yeah i think she at was very angry at that and point she expressed her anger and i'm glad she did yeah and reasonably so your dad's response surprised me which was what craig asked the question like how long had i known i was gay and basically said then why the hell did you marry our daughter? Why would a gay guy who knows he's gay marry a woman? Like, what were you thinking? Didn't say it like that. Yeah. But his mindset very much was, why would a gay guy marry a woman? Yeah. And we ought to have your parents on and ask them their perspective on this, because I hope I'm remembering. <laughs> I don't want to speak for your dad here, but I remember being surprised at having to, like, explain my approach to this was that I never would have chosen this for myself. So even though I knew this about myself, it was not what you wanted. Let me clarify something now. I am glad I'm a gay man. I am happy with who I am and I am proud to be gay and I, I am not ashamed of that. Yeah. It's not something I dislike about myself like it used to be. I'm very comfortable with that. I am very open about that. But back then, no. This was all something very new. Yes. Yeah. And so to explain to Craig that you know, despite the fact that I was gay, I was choosing to move forward in what I was taught in the church and what I was taught was my path to happiness and what I believed was right for all of us. And for him, I mean, he understood that, yeah. but that was not his initial understanding was, why would a gay guy marry a woman? Like, why didn't you go be gay? <laughs> Which also surprised me that he would have been open to yeah. a gay guy choosing to be gay. And let me clarify that too. No one chooses to be gay, but no, you choose, but, but acting on as that a gay man, I chose or... to either yeah. 
live a gay lifestyle or live a straight woman yeah. married lifestyle. That was the choice. I didn't choose whether or not I was gay, but I did yeah. get to choose whether or not I lived a gay lifestyle. How you responded to yes. that. So you don't remember any of this, Jessica? I don't remember any of it. Where were you? Sitting, Apparently sitting I next was to there. Me. <laughs> It it's, was good in the end. It's interesting they, now because we've brought this up before, but like we just talked to my dad a month or so ago and we were just chatting about things, about podcasts and whatever. And he was saying that looking back on it now, he really believes this was the only path for you to be able to come out and to be comfortable and feel safe in doing so. And I agree with him. And I, um, I remember that conversation on your parents' yeah, patio, yeah. probably right after episode one or two. I don't know, somewhere around there. And they... You didn't lose my family. I didn't. You didn't lose no. any of them. No. Your brother pulled it together. Oh, yeah. And I knew he would. <laughs> he just needed to get it all out and be done with it. And, you know, the next day, I remember him crying and telling me he's sorry. He's, he's a very soft-hearted guy at moments. <laughs> and just telling him, like, I know, I know you have my back. I'm not angry or mad at you, but I do need some space right now. Like, these are my boundaries right now. And I'm happy to see you and be with you, but I do need some space. I couldn't be staying in that tiny apartment. I remember Steve what else I was going to say. Is. is I asked them both, did you ever suspect that I was gay? And they said, we had no idea. But your dad said, with one exception. He said, nothing you ever did or said or how you acted or anything ever made me think that. But you got hit on by guys a lot. Yeah. <laughs> While you were married. To Jessica, and that made me wonder. Yeah. He said, that's the only reason I'm not surprised. Because there were some weird things, like... Guy at Lagoon. A guy at Lagoon asking me if Protein. I wanted to do gay porn. Yep. <laughs> Giving him his card Literally, in the I'm bathroom. There with him. Yeah, walks up, and we're in line, and he walks up and says, hey, have you ever done any modeling? And I said, kind of not really, no. And he <laughs> gives me a card and says, well, if you're ever interested, give me a call. And it's... <laughs> I flip it over, gay and porn. it's gay porn. Basically, modeling. Yeah. Some guy at Lucky Peak. Yeah, Lucky Peak with your family. We're all up there. Grabbed him. Having a picnic. And I was walking out of the bathroom as someone was walking in. And like, you know, two people walking through a doorway. You both step to the right and kind of turn sideways and walk past each other. Well, this guy didn't. He just like ran right into me and like groped me while he looked me straight in the eyes. And I just like. What the? Yeah. <laughs> and just went back to the picnic. And someone, your mom or somebody was just like, you look like you just saw a ghost. What just happened? And I was like, I think I just got grabbed in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm not even totally sure what just yeah. happened. But it just like sent me into like a tailspin of, you know, anything that approached the gay side of me that I had tucked away, hidden away so far deep down in. Anything that brought that closer to the surface just like made my head spin. Yeah. And so anything like that did. So that was my point, was just that your dad yeah. said, that's the only reason I'm not surprised is because I know how many times you've been hit on in these weird scenarios where clearly someone had picked up on a gay vibe from you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Husband-in-Law. All right, now we have a challenge for you. We challenge you to go give someone a huge hug or send a simple gratitude note who needs to receive it specifically from you. If you've enjoyed this episode, and you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so now. Also, don't forget to give us a review. We read every single one of them. Until next time, keep striving to make your relationship the best it can possibly be.